There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 51 of The Woke Man series, the greatest case study on man, where we're looking at the conscious journey. And this is a tool, as I'm realizing now, for both men and women who are starting the conscious journey and looking to develop more conscious awareness. Now, through these stories, you'll understand what conscious awareness really means. And you probably realize that the people that you're listening to were not always this way. But today I'm with my man, Mitch. How are you, brother? Very good, Luca. Good to be on. Thank you for joining me, man. First question, where did you grow up and where do you live now? I'm a Perth boy. I was kind of like, I call myself a Freo born and bred. And I'm currently just south of that in North Coogee, in a beautiful place in an estate um, on the beach. So very, very blessed, very lucky. yeah, just I've always loved the the Frio vibes, the Perth vibes, really good culture. Um, just awesome place to live. Sweet, brother. How old are you now? I'm 29. Uh, nice. Turn back in June. So one more to the dirty 30. Wow, man. <laughs> what, what day in June? Uh, 13th. Ooh, Gemini. On, on the 14th. Hey, there we go. Uh, yeah, right there, brother. Right there. Do you know your human design? Uh, manifesting generator, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Workhorse. Yeah. yeah. Fucking workhorse, man. My oh, partner's a manifesting generator. <laughs> Um, what do you do for a living right now? Great question. Um, there's really two major things that I'm working on that I'm absolutely loving. Um, the first is more recent. Uh, my partner and I started a um, cacao entity, I'll call it. Uh, we birthed our baby, um, Cacao Collective. And Cacao Collective kind of came about almost by accident, um, but it's my partner and I are selling ceremonial grade cacao, and we also run events kind of in conjunction with that. And we really started that as well with the intention of allowing all Australians of all walks of life to be able to sit with this type of plant medicine. Um, and especially also too, plant medicine gets thrown around a lot. And most people tend to think of like you know, psilocybin mushrooms and ayahuasca and things like that. So we wanted to bring such a potent yet still widely available medicine to Australia, especially in this time when seemingly the world's falling apart. People need more connection to their bodies, more connection to their hearts, their senses, more engagement. And uh, so that was, you know, one part of um, why we created it. The second was also for community. 
Um, we're going into the technological era, the online era like we're doing now, which is amazing. Um, it has its blessings and its curses. So we wanted to kind of keep that three-dimensional community going. And that's where we run our events as well. We do, um, we, we use ceremonial great cacao. Um, we have some meditation, we do some dance, and then I'm also a breathwork practitioner. So we, um, uh, you know, I create some soundscapes and we just have a beautiful, beautiful journey um, with just amazing soundscapes. And we also give people their own set of headphones. So that way they have their own right in like really nice introspective internal, you know, distraction free type process. And they're really free to choose how they want to journey, whether that's more of a, you know, focus on their pleasure body. So I think so much of personal development is focused on pain and trauma and get it out and, you know, process it. And that's fucking epic. I love it. I'm all for it. But we also have a pleasure body. And it's so interesting how the synergy of cacao and also, you know, our events kind of combine all of that and allow people to focus on their pleasure body too, as much as their pain body. And, you know, when you combine the two, that's where the magic's found. So that is one part, Cacao Collective and all that entity. And the other is um, my strong passion and love for taking people that have just been absolutely decimated um, with IBD or inflammatory bowel disease or even IBS, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And really for the people that are just sick and tired of being sick and tired, they've been through the, what what we call the conventional medical system. I call it alternative. That's another story for another day. Um, and they're really ready to take ownership of their body, take ownership of their disease, um, learn how to heal, learn how to reverse and regenerate the body um, and heal from uh, trauma. You know, there's, there's so much involved in healing the gut beyond just change your diet and take some herbs and sprinkle some fairy dust. There's bioenergetics, there's body work, there's, there's emotions, there's chakra points and energy and tension belts. So um, I have a massive, massive interest and passion in, in that. And I have a program called The Missing Link and I'm constantly redeveloping it and upgrading it and uh, just love what I do. So what's one thing you're really good at, brother? I would like to think in the last 12 months, I've become a really good listener. Mm-hmm. I think it is really important when so many people are suffering to just allow them space and give them space and spaciousness so they can dump so much of what is just caught up in the body. So many people that are a prisoner of their mind. They've got too much mental real estate. They've got so much pent up energy. And it's been really nice to learn how to listen more and speak less, even though I love a good babble. And uh, by virtue of being able to listen, I can really make it about them and draw data points in my mind and start to feel energetically, but also using my left brain as well to kind of like put, you know, dots points on a canvas, so to speak. And then it's much easier to weave what they need and making about them and their personal journey. And that way I'm much easier to hold up mirrors for them, much easier to be a mirror for them Mm. and really allow them to go inside, um, search for their answers and really have this journey of self-discovery that we can only walk ourselves. Most most coaches have to be good listeners, right? Or they tend, if they're a good listener, they tend to be coaching or healing. Yep, that's, that's it. What's your biggest fear right now? I feel like I transcended fear, but if I really had to be locked in a cage, just not being able to be a free sovereign being, which is ironically happening <laughs> parts of Australia right now, metaphorically, but also quite literally speaking, uh, I've got things here to do and a journey to take and look if I die tomorrow, so be it. Uh, I know my journey is my journey, but if I had to pick a fear out, it would just be being um, incarcerated or being chained down to uh, like that, which I was not able to be a sovereign being and live out my purpose and my passion yeah. and you know, serve humanity and also take for me what I feel is mine and what I enjoy doing and all those kinds of things. So yeah, totally. the biggest Na- fear. Yeah, I respect that, bro. I feel that. Na- naturally, it's like, I think for men, freedom is one of the greatest values too. We work for that, don't we? 
100%. And I'd say, you know, largely a lot of the suffering in men is because they feel so trapped in their own bodies or trapped in their minds. So, yeah, that whole sense of freedom and having freedom taken away from you, having sovereignty taken away from you, um, no way to live. What's your favorite quote? Ooh, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Fuck, I think <laughs> so I was an Oscar Wilde, or I think it was either Oscar Wilde or someone else. And there's, there's actually another one I'll second up and piggyback on that. But it's, um, it's never about stopping the ocean waves, but learning how to surf. Mm. I think we're in this paradigm of, of like, I'm so stressed, I get rid of the stress. If only I could just get rid of this. And it's like, I think as human beings, we need to learn how to grow our capacity. Like no question, of course, there are punctured holes in the water bottle. I know people have energy leaking everywhere, left, right and center. And so that is very true. But I think people are, um, you know, comfort is a drug, it's worse than heroin. And, you know, especially for men, I think too, is getting comfortable. And I think if we can really shift that perspective and shift that paradigm to growing our capacity, um, that's where I love that quote. It just speaks volume to me and, and to what I'm about and why I love it. Many things, but let me simplify it. <laughs> it's like, I'll just start with the simplicity before the complexity. Sometimes simplicity is nice too, you know. Yeah, look, you know, someone like, again, that really understands that they can't understand. Because we all like to know, We, you know, the mind loves to know and seeks to understand. And the reality is there's so much that we cannot understand is that omnipotence and that omnipresence, that omniscience, right? Yeah. And I feel like a conscious man represents someone who has really taken upon themselves to own their light own their dark, which means owning their good and owning their bad, owning everything you're good at and really doubling down on your strengths or shutting a light on all of your shit and your dirty laundry. Someone who's willing to go to places that most fear to go. You know, it's like Joseph Campbell's quote, um, the treasure you seek is the place you, oh, fuck, I'm going to butcher this. The place you fear to enter is where the treasure, the cave you seek, you know, that whole, <laughs> I would certainly butcher Joseph Campbell, I apologize. Uh, but really, you know, another way of putting it is, is bluntly is like leaning the fuck into your own existence, right? Like, and I tend to bring more of a, um, a softer, like playful nature. I know sometimes even with masculine work, when so many men are afraid to find out who's beneath the skin and who's behind the lens, is that we hear this like lean the fuck in and, you know, all about going in for it. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's a bit of tribalism in that and a bit of warrior you know, essence in that. Uh, but I'm all about the play, man. You know, when we were children growing up, we loved playtime and going to the playground and we lose that sense of self, that pure, more wondrous, mysterious part of ourselves. And that's really what the inner child is, right? It's the original self. It's, all, it's also the original wounded self. Um, but that original self of when you see children, I mean, the amount of parents and especially fathers I've, I've heard say, my children teach me so much. They're my greatest teachers. And so, you know, circling back and kind of circumventing this conscious man, I think someone who is willing to let go of the need to always get it right, you know, feel into social conditioning and pressures and uh, stop buying into their bullshit story. You know, it's valid. I'm not saying it's it's all bullshit, but often we carry a bullshit story. And I say this with grace, I had a bullshit story. So really a conscious man for me is again, someone who takes it, the, the ownership and the sovereignty back into themselves, extreme ownership 100% of all their choices, plays the cards they were dealt and, um, just loves deeply, whatever that way looks for you. Love doesn't mean, you know, kisses and rainbows. Love just means love. Yeah. You go both ways. Goes both ways and love knows no boundaries. Yeah. What's one thing that challenges you right now? Personal intimacy. And, and in my relationship, um, it's just the most amazing conscious 
loving relationship I've been in to date, but everything comes with a challenge, you know. You get too comfortable, it becomes painful. Yeah. You have too challenged, you burn yourself out, and it's always that teeter-totter of like, pleasure, pain, pleasure, pain. Ooh, okay, motherfuckers, let's go, you know. Yeah. And so I feel like, yeah, the biggest challenge is, is probably personal intimacy. Um, not having enough of it or give it, or not being able to give enough? I still think um, really shedding the residue of past conditioning of 29 years, you know, being brought into a world that says you're not enough. We live in a highly traumatized world that says you're basically not enough. And I never really bought into much of that story, but this, it still has an impact at some level in the unconscious, right? Because you've just got data coming everywhere, fucking TV and Disney and then school and then religion and it's cartoons and it's you know, Instagram. It's constantly there. Um, so maybe just some residue there. Um, otherwise, to be honest, man, I'm, re- I mean, I'm a really flow state. The, the challenge is accepting the challenge. It's like Henry Ford's quote. Uh, uh, if you think it's going to be hard or you think it's going to be easy, you're probably going to be right. So pick your, your scope, pick your lens that you wish to see the world through. Uh, know that challenges are inevitable. Pain is inevitable. So we can either learn to befriend it and um, make peace with it, which makes that instantaneously a hell of a lot easier than resisting it. Because the age old saying goes, what we resist persists and what we resent we become. So um, I, I'm feeling all the challenges at the moment. I said that's the biggest one, but um, yeah, I welcome them. What does unconditional love mean to you? Hmm. Not trying to change anything. Simple as that. Letting everything as it is be. Uh, I remember I was listening to Ram Dass the other day and he was saying, you know, the human condition is such a funny one because we buy into social performance from a very young age, right? Parents saying, don't do that or, you know, that was good, do more of that, and right? We buy into a lot of their conditioning and their trauma. And I remember Ram Dass saying, you know, when you go into a beautiful forest and you just see the thousands and thousands and thousands of trees, so you never say one tree's too bent, one tree's too pointy, one's too thin, one's too fat, one's too barky, one hasn't got enough bark, one's leaves are fucked up and one leaves are beautiful. You just never do that. Everything is as it is, always has been and always will be. And the human condition is such an interesting one because, of course, we have this egocentric view of ourselves. We play and then of all the unconscious shit that we've carried for either our lifetime or generations upon us. And so being unconditional just really means allowing yourself to travel through life in a way where you know, you're going to be triggered, no question. You're going to want to change things. You're going to want to control and manipulate and uh, really bringing attention to that and allowing yourself to let go consistently and allowing yourself to be in that flow state. And, you know, it's where the present moment, the Tao, if you will, and the magic is found in life. And that's really uh, my most simplest kind of summation of unconditional is, is it. let it be unconditional. Don't try to change it. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced unconditional love? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Many times and really every single day. I don't think it has to be harped up. Unconditional love can be, you know, feeling a breeze in your face and unconditional love can be seeing a beautiful woman. It can be seeing a beautiful man. It could be seeing a beautiful animal. It could be treated in a way that makes you feel unconditional. It could be you treating someone in a way that makes you feel unconditional. And it's that, you know, that, that sense of, again, magic and wonder and all that lives inside of us when you feel that, ignite and that sense of something that's um, so as it was and as it should be. Like one instance is always, you know, I'm just going to tangent real quick, but it, it'll make sense is at the moment we have this whole crazy narrative running and it's so easy to be triggered by people where they're wearing gloves and wearing masks or doing this, doing that. And of course we want to judge. 
And when you can come from a place of unconditional love and just love the person for who they are, not what they dress, not what the hair looks like, not whether they're wearing gloves or face masks or whatever, and actually just engage in a real conversation. It could be the checkout chick at IGA. It could be a simple smile and a fast second conversation. And to make them feel like, you know, you lifted their day and you've really seen them, not just, hey, how are you? Yep, good, thanks. See ya, bye. Credit card, cat. You know, like really being engaged. And it's a great way to be unconditional for me because it doesn't matter what their pedigree is, again, who they are, what sex, what race, whatever. It can be, see them as is, yeah. It's definitely one of those things, I think, when you come into taking full ownership of your projections, for those people, it's like your judgments, your criticisms. Hard. And your reactions. Take full ownership of that. You see everyone as equal to you. Yeah. And I'd like to piggyback... Go, go, so, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say, and also knowing in the journey of getting to that place, you're going to fuck it up and get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with the journey, it's like this black and white. I'm not there yet of being able to let go of being unconditional. And it's like, there's all the shades of gray yeah. because that can, this is how we get into shame spirals, right? And shame cycles. If we think, oh, I'm not as woke or I'm not as this. And it's like, man. I was very fucking unwoke at my point, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not a, just like a switch, you're woke, you know? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's universe rewards consistency, not rigidity, right? And if you're consistent in your ability to show up, like you said, and owning your projections and owning your judgments and owning those things and knowing it'll be probably like a stock, right? It's going to go up and it's going to fucking this and right? But as long as your projection into yourself is one of a higher vibration and lifting, you've won. Yeah, man. You know? Sure. I just had a thought then and I was like, actually, you know what? Because, you know, you and I are both the same. We've come from a very unwoke, use the woke man terminology, an unwoke background, right? Like, I was thinking, you know what, well, I was pretty conscious when I was had that crystal meth popped in my mouth. <laughs> I, I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> and that was just the image I got up. And I was like, hang on a second, that might be a little bit, a bit of a deep dive on what conscious awareness is for people because <laughs> we're not saying, you know, you because conscious is having having something having consciousness means it has awareness right but like mm. if you're going to do that say i choose to do that and i take full responsibility for me doing that and i'm not doing it because of this person yeah but no i wasn't doing it i wasn't choosing to do that i was doing it to feel better because i couldn't in my life 100 percent. you know what i'm saying That's good it. point I'll, I'll piggyback your piggyback <laughs> have you got a piggyback anything else nah, nah brother let, let's move this one these are the rapid fire one. i'm loving it <laughs> let's keep shooting do you believe in a greater power and what what is that to you oh come on how could you fucking not what's what's driving your heartbeat right now what's producing thyroid hormone what's your pituitary gland doing how is your nervous system calculating oh. billions of time bits of information every second come on what the fuck <laughs> what are we doing in this cosmic soup of life that has this omnipotent omnipresent omniscient power that we will never be able to understand. This speaks directly to the double slit experiment, yeah, right? Oh, as soon as you it, try to observe that which already is, you are out of the present moment. It's, it's magic. I love it, that it's, this, it's this infinite moment you cannot grasp onto. It's like trying to catch water in a sieve. It's always going to come from without it beneath you. Mm. So I want to carry that back to like this, this greater higher power. Uh, you are it. You know, as Alan Watts would say, do you beat your heart or do you not? Do you see out of your eyes or do you not? Who's behind the lens? And, you know, we're still confined to a human body, right? We still have to be, you know, partake in the laws of gravity, so to speak, and Newtonian physics and chemistry and all the laws of life and universal law and nature's laws. But we have, you know, especially now at this tipping point of humanity, we now have a new uh, 
a new way of being. Some would call it 5D, some would just call it higher self. And we're really at the tipping point of where we've been and what we've created, which has been beautiful, whether it's been the industrial revolution, the scientific revolution, everything we've created in its all of its beauty. But we're really seeing broken systems. And I think it's this higher power now coming back that we access inside of ourselves is what's going to take us there. Because everyone's really fucking quick to point the finger. And I always say, well, as soon as you point that finger, no, you're pointing three back, right? It's the age old saying. And all you have to do in life is be righteous and be good. Mm-hmm. You damn well know what it's like to be a good person. That's not, again, complex and uh, jargon and just noise to what already is. The innate universal source code within you, since you start as a single soul protoplasm and then your parents before that and their parents before that and just keep going, keep going, keep going for the infinite amount of time and in the same direction forward, right? If we're looking at it in a, a binary type way is this, this greater power, this higher power I feel is what's really going to take us to the next level of humanity, one of more love, compassion, forgiveness, understanding, empathy, um, you know, and really being that true moral behavior. Um, we know right from wrong. We know good from bad. And we're just in a world of noise right now. It's probably half the reason I decided to become a breathwork practitioner is because mm-hmm. we get to come back to that center point where we access that power. We drop out of beta waves, beta, 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 beta. We're all, you know, anxious. Everyone's got fucking anxiety apparently these days. Everyone's like, right? It's just noise. And until we become coherent, we can't access that greater power. Amen. It is Amen. within us. And the breath, coherence, safety, grounding, getting your root chakra really solid. And feel like you belong in this world and you're of this world is where the magic, again, goes. Yeah, That's all you have to worry about. Just worry about you. I love it. I love it, man. You speak my language. It's, uh, it's a funny, I think it's quote of the quote of the series, bro. How could you fucking not? That was what you said. How could you fucking not? And you stole the words right out of my mouth. I love it. Let's talk about your conscious journey now, Mitch. Uh, what did your life look like? It's unwoke, and how does it compare to now? I was very much the wounded healer. Um, I came from, for whatever reason, and I'll say whatever reason, but it's really for plural, for whatever reasons, the accumulation of my you know, childhood my soul journey, perhaps, if you will, if we're going a little bit deeper. And my general conditioning kept me in a state of um, curiosity. Like, I'm going to definitely own. When I was a child, I was damn well curious. Like, I used to always ask questions. Teachers probably disliked me because I was just so curious. Um, question the status quo, always pushing the edge a little bit, you know, wondering where my boundaries end and where the world begins. There was this innate drive to understand what the fuck this actually is. And again, who am I and what's my place in this universe and on this planet? And so I definitely carried parts of that, but the unworked side came from really wanting to save. Um, that was, you know, painting my families that are in all families. And I took it upon myself as this superhero archetype. And, and especially, you know, the, the story always starts out with Dragon Ball Z. It always, like anytime I have these, these interviews, it always starts with Dragon Ball Z. And this idea of superheroes with superpowers, larger than life muscles, and this fight for justice, this fight for good, this fight for, you know, peace and love and, and all these things. So. Mm. I kind of, I feel like on a deep subconscious level, uh, took it upon myself to save people by virtue of saying I could step into this role and was driven by that trauma, we'll call it, driven by that pain to save the world, save humanity, which is also really a big mirror for myself and to save myself, right? Because um, that deeply embedded drive is what nearly cost me my life. And that's a bit of the irony of, again, mirrors in life, right? Duality. So that was, you know, at a base level, that's kind of what it looked like as an unwoke person. 
but then you know it's like when do you ever go when is it when do you ever really flick a switch unless you're you know doing an enormous breathwork journey or you're having an io journey or you're in just deep deep pain like it reminds you of eckhart when he was about to commit suicide and he said i can't live with myself and it was like who's i and who's myself and if i'm if there's two entities then who you know what is the i so you know there was no real light switch for me so to speak it was very much a, a sequential experience as it always is because i'm yeah. probably getting more woke in the next 10 years than i am now right 100%. like what does woke mean it's just a subjective word with yeah. this interpersonal 100%. meaning so um i mean look i have no complaints i had a great fucking childhood to be honest it was you know i didn't drive lamborghinis but i didn't go without a meal mm. um middle class perth australian family um or hand-me-downs but still was able to go to private schools uh, receive an education which you know mm. felt more like an indoctrination even though i love school um yeah. it was really an interest in continuing to um not let go of that extremely deep embedded wonder and curiosity so that was in you in that period that, that was a that was a birthright for sure i yeah. will yeah well what about your behavior and your attitude were you like trouble going to detention were you um breaking yeah cheeky little hearts? shit yeah cheeky little shit i wouldn't say like you know a rebel or a um um like deeply traumatized boy that that was always acting out and craving for attention all that kind of stuff I and mean, i loved attention as a child i loved performing i would say and and that was you know the way that you know if you're looking at our six core human needs definitely that significance came by virtue of i had a lot of athletic talent you know i was a gymnast and i did tennis and rugby and footy and swimming and so um, I always loved performing. Um, I loved music. I did piano, and so um, yeah, that that curiosity and 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 drive and desire to just be more and do more was, I think, always there. Behaviorally, I think I was just if you could put it, summate it in one paraphrase, it'd just be cheeky little monkey. Mm. Like that was that was me. This cheeky little monkey that just loved to have fun, mm. didn't really love rules, always bended the boundaries, broke a couple, but never intentionally tried to hurt someone. Um, you know, never really got into gang fights or roughed up and stuff like that. I got in a couple of fights, but you know, that's just, I think, being a boy sometimes. Being a boy, yeah. That's being a boy, right? Um, you know, roughing up. Because, you know, we haven't had things like wrestling. We never learned how to, you know, harness our anger and our aggression, our rage. We never learned these things in, in school. This is why I call them indoctrination camps and, and not schools. When do we learn how to meditate? When do we learn about emotions? When do we learn how to release? When do we learn how to breathe deeply? When do we learn how to meditate? We know nothing, right? We learn how to do linear parabolas the fuck yeah. <laughs> so um i was just acting upon i guess again all my conditioning all my pedigree and background and still just trying to again play and have fun the whole time because i'm at 29 and i still feel like you know integrating my inner child now in the one hand i can be as masculine as i need to be and very warrior-like and and but still peaceful in that mm-hmm. you know and hold that container then i can be fucking three years old and six or six years old and just have a good gag you know it's it's not losing that 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 little boy inside of you um, that loves to create and play that. and have fun. I love the diff- I love that example that you've used. It's like I acknowledge that I can be a little boy still and also have a lot of fun, but also can mm. be, you know, very respectful, kind, loving. You know, of course, it's like an integrated to, aspect, isn't it? Definitely, and I feel like my gift comes from being able to embody all parts. You know, I think sometimes yeah. men hold themselves to such rigidity of I have to be this role. And I have to behave this way because they've lived in a cage by virtue of other people's opinions and conditioning against social performance since the age they were born. 
We celebrate failure all of about once or twice when we're babies. You know, the first time we walk, we fall over in our ass and we've quote unquote failed. And what does everyone do? Yay! You know, it's like we celebrate failure. And then pretty much after that, it's just in fucking indoctrination. You know, if you do this, you're good. If you do this, you're bad. And we get shamed and rewarded for so much that has, does not even belong to us. And then we leave indoctrination camp at 17. We get into the world and realize it was nothing like we were just taught. So then we spend the first 10 years of our life fucking it all up, getting it all wrong, <laughs> nearly killing ourselves. <laughs> and then do I go, oh, holy shit, maybe I need to start thinking about what feels good in my body and start connecting to my intuition and my feelings and my senses and my felt, right? Yeah. So I, love I don't know I was going with this. Call, but I love how you call schools indoctrination camps. Look, that's no disrespect. I, I have so many friends that are teachers and they'll say the same thing. They love school. They love teaching. I love. I used to coach gymnastics, so I, I love children and I love working with kids. I think that they're just, you know, if we're going to save this fucking world, we're going to focus on kids way, 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 way more. Uh, because as you know, you know, neuroplasticity drops from at the age of 30. So, um, I, I yeah, no disrespect whatsoever. It's it's always systems. It's like I hate the, well, not hate, that's a strong word. I, I, I strongly dislike where we are as a species in terms of the medical industry. You know, and again, I have friends with the doctors that say the exact same fucking thing. It is not a direct shaming or, um, you know, insult to any teachers or any, you know, schooling uh, partake in that. Um, I still have involvement with some schools. So it's just systems. It's cogs that turn systems. It's mm. cogs that turn wheels. It's cogs that turns curriculums. We need to shift and the consciousness of those systems. Hundred percent. We need to get out of this left brain conditioning, binary ones and zeros, and into the higher mind. Turn it up and to the right, and start balancing out more of that which is, which is mm. yes, Newtonian physics conditioning, binary, everything left brain orientated, but it's also imagination and creativity and spirituality and oneness and wholeness and awareness and conscientiousness. And when you combine those two and you bridge them together, just like you have a corpus callosum in the brain, which bridges your two hemispheres together, boom, that gives people the um, uh, the substance, the cement slab, the foundation to build their own internal self. But if they're always stuck in left brain conditioning, they're always going to be subject to good and bad duality, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it's like a bird locked in a cage. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. What is your biggest vice or what was your biggest vice during that period? Um, do you mind if I give you a couple? Okay. I don't like to, yeah, you know, ladder. What was the biggest? I mean, if I had to be the biggest, it was just the need to feel significant. And, and mm. yeah, significance was a huge one. It's so interesting when I say that, like, I never felt like I wasn't enough, but there was this, you know, we, we play, we triple down our use our strengths. If we find we're good at something and we get the, the feedback from people against social performance, we tend to want to then improve upon that, even if that's to our detriment, which it was. Mm. So like, for instance, I was competitively bodybuilding and I fucking love bodybuilding and I love bodybuilding. Like Arnie and the golden era and pumping, I, I love all that. And I still bodybuild today. However, the way I was going about it and how it was being driven by all the unconscious shit in my body um, was deeply damaging but I had the social performance. So it was like the significance that it gives you um, was probably the biggest vice going back now. Um, I wasn't really addicted to drugs. I never really had a drug story. I mean, I smoked a lot of weed, but, and I probably, you know, back then used weed incorrectly because it absolutely is a medicine. Mm-hmm. And just like anything, you can fucking abuse water and kill yourself, right? So mm-hmm. I would say that would maybe be another one. You know, it's very easy to just say, oh, it's just weed. It's just the bong. It's just the joint, you know? But again, again, not, really being coherent and in yourself and having purposeful use. Um, 
Yeah, I'm really going to go back to the significance thing, man. It was all about look at me and, you know. The validation. The validation, significance, um, recognition. Yeah. All that. Yeah, I can relate to that, bro. Not the first sure. time this has been said, that's for sure. Yeah, because, you know, most people, I would say, many men, I'm sure women too, of course, but if we're just strictly speaking to the Workman podcast, and I did like how you said through this journey, you realize it's applied to women too. And I'm sure mm. many females and women in the feminine are picking up on so many things to help them understand their man a lot more, which I love. Um, oh, what the fuck was I saying? I was just going somewhere. I just lost it. Um, what? Uh, it'll come back when it needs to. Yeah, it'll come back when it needs to. Moving on. What, what emotion challenged you most when the, in this same period growing up? Anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, anger, sadness, depression? During that uh, more like... Unwork period. Unwork period. The biggest emotional challenge? Mm. I would say emotions in general and really feeling my emotions and really f being connected to my body and, and having heart, mind, gut or you know, mind, body, soul as one unit, you know, working in unison, so to speak. Um, I didn't have parents or a family that have uh, a huge emotional range and a huge emotional capacity. So I felt very monotonous, you know, in my um, mm. expression. So my spectrum was quiet. So it was very difficult for me to even know what shame was. It was very difficult for me to identify certain things, even anger and rage, you know. Thank God, I guess I had bodybuilding where I could, you know, really transmute a lot of that into just the weights and, and move a lot of that pent up energy. So I never really suffered from anxiety or, or depressive states and stuff like that. But I probably did at some level because if the emotional range is not there, you're not really tuned into what you're feeling. And I probably had a lot of emotional retardation <laughs> I'm putting it bluntly, yeah. um, just by virtue of not really being educated, you know. Again, it's like we don't know what we don't know, and what, so if we don't know what, there you go. I was going to say, what what was when you were starting the healing, starting to feel more? What was the most suppressed emotion that started coming up? Sadness. Mm. That's just the first thing. Sadness. Um, sadness. Anger. Yeah, pain, hurt. You know, it's again holding on to that which we don't know how to express in a healthy way. It's like holding on to a shit entire life i mean that's not good it's not good for anyone right so um definitely as i started the healing journey it was a lot of expression noise crying release movement just getting as much out of my body as possible because as you know it's like a kitchen bin uh, in, in your kitchen if that shit's full well there's no room for extra mm. so when most people are walking around with it's men women anyone and they feel like they're just up to their brim there's too much mental real estate they've got so much anxiety they're in pain they've just got so much you know, when we start these journeys, it's all about expression, learning, giving yourself the permission, the safety. That's another word I'm looking for, but it really is come back to permission to express and come back to what it means to be human, which is to experience all things. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, that was the first thing to, to really get started on the journey. So would you say, so you said that the suppression was shown to you by your parents, right? Like not really having the capacity to feel your emotions. Just, just interjecting, I wouldn't say they shame me or tell me that anger was bad. It's just that I never got educated Sorry, showed, on it. Showed. Yeah, showed. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's never really suppression, but the suppression was there by virtue of not being educated and knowing how to express and it has a safe way or a way that felt like I wasn't going to be shamed or, you know, whatever, embarrassed, you know, yeah. if I cried, you know. For sure. What would you say the sadness was actually coming from? How, did you contribute that sadness to anything that happened in your past? Say, you know something that happened in your childhood lots of things it's not it's the accumulation of everything it's like a glass of water you you know a couple of drops of this 
I was, you know, a couple of jobs of sexual abuse, a couple of jobs of mum, a couple of jobs of dad, a couple of jobs of family, a couple of jobs of global events, a couple of jobs of terrorism, a couple of, and you just keep on going until you hit that tension point and all of a sudden it just spills over, right? So it always is just, I guess, the accumulation of everything that, that happens in our life that then comes under the umbrella of pain and sadness. Because of the ability to let it out. Pretty much. You know, my father was a Navy man, you know, the, I saw him cry once in his entire 79 years, once. And that was when he was having a heart attack and I was driving him to hospital to get him out of the car. Mm. So you can imagine to a child that never feels like, has never had a role model to cry. And of course with Dragon Ball Z, I don't think they cried either. So like, I never had these role models. They were always tough men. Don't show pain. You'll be all right. Be stronger. Right. And as you know, it's like, <laughs> Just the more rigid and strong you try to be, I say strong in inverted commas, you try to become, the more brittle you become, the more you break. And you ask any structural engineer, how do you build the strongest building in the world? And they'll tell you, they flex. The higher you want to go, the more the building has to flex, right? It works with nature. And if we are of nature and emotions are of nature, we need to work with them, not against them. And so there was definitely a lot of that built up anger, built up sadness, built up, but then no release because the mask would be like, I'm good. I'm strong. I got this, right? And and push it down somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. it's obviously in the body. Yeah. I feel you, brother. What, say, whose love out of your parents did you crave most? And who did you have to be to get it? I love this question because I ask every single person I kind of jump on board at the same one. Um, you know, it's so interesting. I've, I've never answered myself so directly. And part of me wants to say, I never really craved their love. I craved the world's love. I crave Mother Earth and Father Sky and just like the, the, the wholeness, the oneness of the world. I felt so universal as a child, thinking back now and feeling back now. It was never like, Dad, look at me or Mom, am I this? It was um, a lot of, again, this like curious wanting to see the world and be unlived with the world and have the world love me. So it was very, you know, high vibe out there oneness. If I had to answer it, the thing is, is I got my parents' unconditional love. I'm actually mm. very blessed as much yeah. as they fucked me up unconditionally um, and in their own way, they love me unconditionally. Yeah. They gave me so much love and support and freedom. This is, I can think, why I didn't have to fight for their love or be someone in order to receive it because I could just be myself. I was mm. very, very blessed. If I think like now, I couldn't have asked for a better childhood. Had its mm. fucked up moments. We all have pain. That's, that's called life. It's a human experience. But I could have asked for better two sets of parents and I could have asked for a better life. Better life, my balls are dropping. I could have asked for a better childhood. I didn't have to have to fight for that. So that's my, my well, that, truest that ties answer. In, that ties into sort of you needing validation too, right? It's like coming back to wanting to the greater love. It's like hand in hand. I want the greater love because I want everyone's validation. Like Yeah, and that's probably where the ego got driven in too. Because I got my parents, I was free to try and get now be more in my egocentric viewpoint of, well, how can other people love me? If I've got my family's love and I, and I have all that, who else can love me, right? Interesting. Um, and when you don't get it unconditionally like I did for my family, that's where you buy into entanglements. That's where you buy into, you know, trauma bonds and enmeshment with other people um, and your own pain stories. So that's probably why I yeah, ventured out quite quickly because I had such loving parents and such supportive. If I wanted to mm. play a sport, they would fork out the money. If I wanted to do something, they, they did it. I wasn't a brat and I wasn't entitled um, and I didn't always get a yes because it was justified. If it was, it wasn't. Um, 
with that unconditional love and support, I can just see now this is why I do the work I do because I feel so blessed. And I know so many other men and women as children didn't get the love of one or both parents and suffer their own sense of abandonment and rejection. They suffered an immense amount of stress. The house was always chaotic. It was always angry. It was always projection. There was massive enmeshment and entanglement. So I totally get it. I see it. We had our own shit, um, but I still coming back. I feel very blessed to your question. I feel very blessed that I didn't really have to fight for my parents' love. It just felt so unconditional and really what all children should receive. Um, so I feel very grateful. That's beautiful, bro. What was the lowest point in your life? And was suicide ever an option? No, suicide was, uh, yes, I've been asked this question before. Um, suicide was never an option in the sense of like, I can't handle life anymore. Um, but I do remember moments of pain being so excruciating. I mean, being burnt alive. I was so, I'm a little bit acidic and diseased um, and septic and rotting from the inside. And the pain, like I remember, I said this before on the interview, um, I used to go on the forums a lot for, for Crohn's disease, this disease that I've been labeled with and this, this identity I've been labeled with or colitis. And I remember pregnant and also mothers, so women that were pregnant, worried about their disease and also mothers that had been diagnosed and had had children. And every single one of them said, I'd rather go through childbirth 10 times over than experience the pain of, of RBD. And um, I totally get that. It was just unbelievable, excruciating pain. And so they're coming back now. There were a few months where I was like, fuck, bullet in the head might be a great option right now just to get me out of this pain. It was just unimaginable. It was so unimaginable. Um, but never, I can't, I'm not good enough at life. I don't belong. You know, none of those real yeah. low, I guess, depressive suicide thoughts. I've never felt like I haven't belonged. I've always loved planet Earth. I feel like I've been here many times before. My soul belongs here. It feels very old and matured. Um, but I didn't know how in this soul journey before I started awakening to myself and who and what I am, um, I had to go through my pain story, you know, yeah. to get to that place. So, I love it, um, so it was more just an escape from the pain. Pretty much. It was just seemed like a better option. It's like, you know, morphine's not working. So maybe a bullet would, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then not only that, you start to step into the, you know, altruistic and, um, compassionate thing of, of, and this is only the mindset of the person suffering of like. I don't have to worry about my family seeing or friends seeing me suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, a funeral would hurt, but, you know, seeing multiple people, you know, suffer, 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 suffer by virtue of seeing me, the skin and bone and in pain, um, maybe that would be easier. I mean, I was so fucked up at that point. I didn't know, probably know two plus two equal four at that point. So, um, yeah. 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 Wow. What was the significant moment of awakening for you to shift you out of that? Or was it before that or after that, long after that? Um, you know, this probably speaks to two things. This might take a little bit, but I'm just going to speak to two things. Number one is that a lot of the time we spiritually bypass. So when people think they're woke, like I had, um, a lot of the times they're spiritually bypassing. They're not doing shadow work. They're not, you know, going through their discernment. They're not going through just a lot of things that really make you whole again, send you all the way back home into yourself. And so there were moments of awakening prior to the, you know, brushing with death. There were moments like, you know, I started using plant medicine at, at 18 or 19. Um, and I was just infrequently have medicine journeys and start expanding my awareness, right? That's really what it was. It was nothing more, nothing less. And really psychedelics and plant medicines are only key to the door. You know, it reminds you of um, Morpheus and the Matrix, you know, Neo can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. And so there was that element kind of for about at least eight years. Um, doing some breath work, doing plant medicine, 
um, just expanding my sense of self. But that didn't mean I was woke. Mm. And many people, myself included, so that's why I say with grace, think that sitting in a jungle doing ayahuasca makes you woke. It absolutely doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so the, the most woke, the turning point was when I actually cheated death and, you know, thank God to the beautiful surgeons and the brilliance of medical technology, which is a bit ironic because, like, anyway. Mm. <laughs> it saved, that, but it saves you when it needs saving. It saves you when you need saving, but I wouldn't have got to that point if I hadn't gone into the system in the first place. But that's another story for another day. But regardless, once I cheated so death. It's an interesting loop. It, it's such a catch-22. Um, once I got out of that, I really self-audited because we, from wake to sleep, we are bombarded with distractions. And so I really just had to remove myself from that. Granted, I wasn't working. I just cheated death. So I got to stay home, sit. And prior to that, you know, that was really my work period. That was my dark night of the soul. I, I was in a dark bedroom for four months straight. I didn't sleep longer than two hours in excruciating pain, shooting blood 30 times a day. That was my period of waking up because I went through my dark night of the soul. I had to, I was forced into it. Some people, you know, you don't have to die to wake up. <laughs> you don't have to ex have you go through extreme suffering to wake up. You just have to be willing. You have to have the vulnerability, the courage, just a, you know, a, a dash of that uh, with also a dash of mystery and wonder and play and joy and fun to work out who you are. The reason it seems so terrifying for so many people is they're all about the light and the light, and the light, and then they resist their negative, okay. their shadow, their dark. So, you know, kind of uh, moving forward, once I had that surgery and once I got out of hot water, once all my labs started to normalize and was getting my health and my life back, um, even though that journey was a still bit bumpy for the first 12 months, it was really, how the fuck did I get like this? And what do I need to do? Who do I need to be in order to actually heal my body and become a healthy, you know, embodied version of what I um, believe in, um, what I then feel like I want to give to the world and what I teach. Um, and that was really the process of waking up is, is wow. really just airing out all the dirty laundry. Yeah. So the, cha the, it, the challenge was your, was your opportunity, right? That's it. And then, that. you know, as the age was saying that, you know, I turn my pain into my power, my mess into my message. Um, mm. Incredible, bro. So what healing was the most effective for you? What healing modality was, was crucial in your journey? Yeah. Physically detoxification was just no question in the, in the physical body. If we're talking endocrine glands and organs and systems, et cetera, et cetera, detoxification and regeneration, um, so like water fasting? Um, I don't say water fasting per se, just the, the whole, here's the thing about detoxification. You know, so many people, my, again, myself included, uh, I had to get it all wrong before I got it right. And it is an art, it's always a skill. I'm, I'm not saying I'm the best at it. It's always a forever learning entity, right? And you always are coming in presently to, what, to that which is. Um, but certainly, you know, hydrating the body. Detoxification is a process, should be a process of hydration and it shouldn't be a some three-day process. It is a long drawn out process. I always, you know, say it's akin to growing muscle. You can spend a week with Ronnie Coleman in the gym or Jay Cutler or some of the best bodybuilders in the world. And even a week with them doesn't mean you're going to somehow have a champion physique after seven days, right? You'll be better than where you started, but like anything, shit takes time. Good things take time. Rome wasn't built in a day. And so when I say detoxification, you know, if, I'm, if the public's out there listening, I really want to say and, 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 you know, shine home is that it's a long drawn out process. Results can happen quickly. No question. I have seen fucking lightning healing in people. No question. If they're ready to heal and everything's aligned, boom, off to the moon. However, I was quite chronic and I had scaved death and I should be dead. There's no way I should be on this call, but I am. So I'll take it. Um, so it was a, just a long drawn out process and physically speaking, detoxification and hydrating. So 
certain types of foods, juices, and then adding in all the nutraceuticals, the green grasses, the algae, the seaweeds, the herbs, the tonics, the medicinal mushrooms, just things to really support the innate immune system, things to support endocrine glands, things to support organs, you know, depuratives to purify blood, um, antiparasitic, like just everything. It's, it's a whole it's game. It's a whole umbrella. It makes me feel healthy. Be- <laughs> yeah, just hearing it. Oh, I feel healthy now. <laughs> I think it just detox some old trauma out of my shoulder. Yeah. Um, metaphysically and more emotionally, um, a couple of things. Number one, first and foremost, breath work. Hand, hands down breath work. And that's a never ending journey. Still to this day, breath work, it's just one of those things that will just blow your socks off. If you commit to anything in life and really come with an open heart, come in with, as a student, come in with a, a real um, tenacity to learn, no matter what, just keep on going into it. Um, there's so much yeah, beauty in that, so okay, much healing. Yeah. In that. And that just, what a great way to purge with the expression again is somatically through the body and movement where there's expression it's vocal it's, it's toning it's it's released there it's crying it's sweating you know we know that tears and sweat contain massive amounts of cortisol adrenaline noradrenaline all these catecholamines these bioactive compounds that, that are stress related so again it's, it's all about purging that which no longer serves us and uh, breath was like the number one thing um then i would say second to that was medicine you know whether that was like psilocybin mushrooms tobacco is actually believe it or not um, shamanic tobacco not smoking durries the way tobacco is traditionally used in the amazon i actually ended up becoming initiated um that was a really beautiful medicine um and just inner child work that was huge again going back because we carry so many timelines and unresolved moments where we've been activated we've experienced and we've formed beliefs and patterns that we carry, you know, I say this so with such love and compassion. Most adults I see are children in adult bodies or have aspects of children in adult bodies. And so the healing for me was going, yeah, I came up be 27, 28, and now 29, because uh, it's been about a three, three and a half year, I mean, look, 10 in total self-development, but really the healing, quote unquote, was again closing up all the timelines that had question marks and looped thoughts and behavioral patterns where you do one thing, but you've consciously said you're going to do the other thing. And, and there's this disjoint, this dissonance between what you consciously try to create and do and achieve, but then seemingly the same pattern just keeps finding its way. And I want to go one place, but then my body goes another place. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really learning and how to integrate the body and heal those aspects that feel unresolved. And a lot of that is childhood stuff. So that would be my top three in the metaphysical breath work, plant medicine and inner child work. Mm, I love that, bro. Very resonated heavily with all of those. What about your friend group? How's that changed as you've changed? I love having a lot of friends, and you know, the word friend is certainly subjective because you know someone could be an acquaintance, and you could just have that bond of just feeling like you can rely on them or you trust them. They have great energy. Um, I, I have a really big network that I'm very blessed with, and I think that's just by virtue of me getting out there and discovering the world too. You know, I'm not a recluse, even though I love to be. I was very introverted young, younger on, and that was just my way of saying I was introverted. I don't think anyone's. Yes, there's probably an innate. Yes, you're more extroverted. That's just the duality. But um, we certainly have again that that malleability to become more social if we we tend to be more introverted, and we have the ability to become more introverted. We're omnivert, right? We we have that ability to cross over. So. Uh, Certainly through younger 20s to mid 20s, I started to really, um, you know, get myself out there. I used to go to nightclubs because I couldn't dance. And then I started to go to nightclubs and then I get my social anxiety. 
um, then it was just through work, through networking, through events, through bodybuilding, competing. I've just thrown myself really so much out there to life itself. Yeah. You know, as I've come to learn, as we, we all must learn, we can't be loved and liked by everyone. Yeah. We can only be ourselves, right? And show up as just the best we can possibly do and know that we are enough as long as we're in our own integrity and only we know that. Mm-hmm. And whoever, as we go along the journey, that we pick up along the way, like, hey, you're cool. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. What's going on? Cool. Oh, black medicine. You know, breath work. And whoever we just kind of pick up on the way, we tend to attract and, and you know, reciprocate that energy. So um, friendship groups haven't really chopped and changed per se. They've just kind of gone as they've needed to, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, so, so. And so with your, say, some of your older friends, are you able to be the way you are now with them? Well, I just have to be myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if they're themselves, then that's fantastic. If they're still fine, they struggle with certain parts of themselves and they haven't quite worked it out, then I can hold love and compassion for that. I, I don't, I'm not very, you know, I'm, I'm discerning between who I spend the most time with and without, no question, but I don't make it sound like, well, I don't hang out with these types of people. I don't know with those types of people. You know, I try to love, I would, I've said this before, I would shake the Dalai Lama's hand the same way I'd shake a homeless person's hand. We're all human. We all shit piss and bleed the same way. So, um, you know, but we all have limited time. So it's just naturally we have a circle and a tribe and then that gets further and further out, you know, the further and further out we go. So um, if it's old friends, yeah, I just, again, I'll have to just be myself and let them be themselves and that's it. Yeah, that's cool. What about you? What about what you're most grateful for on this conscious journey? Pain. You love the pain. Sucker for pain. I'm the saddest. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just yeah. um, no, you know, because it's, it's led you to this place in, in your life. You know, we always, everything's perfect in hindsight. I always ask myself this question, had I known what I know now, would I be where I'd be and would I be doing what I'm doing by virtue of not having that pain? And the answer is probably no. I don't know. I'm not going to know. There's only one timeline I'm living through. Yeah. Um, if I'm living through a multiverse of other timelines, so be it. I'll let myself enjoy that timeline in another timeline. Have fun over there. <laughs> Have fun, brother. Like, cool. Oh, interesting. Oh, you didn't lose your colon in that reality. Yeah, good. Okay, you know, <laughs> Um, so yeah, pain simply because I feel like right now it's the number one thing people generally tend to avoid. And I, and I, you know, I say that and I still think there's also still a hyper focus on pain. Mm. So I'm, I'm quite conscious and aware of that. Um, because you know, my highest value, my number one highest value is play. I suggest anyone that's at home right now that hasn't done it. And even if you have do them every 12 months, values, 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 because your values will determine your priorities. And what you prioritize is where you spend your energy, your time, your focus, Mm -hmm. and what you focus on expands, which you create, you create more of. Amen. So get your values sorted. It is the, it is such a simple, it's free. Unless, you know, you're to add a $2 journal and it'll be the most potent. If you follow through with it and take the time with it, the most potent thing you do. So, I kind of want to come back now and say pain, yes, relatively speaking, play. Mm. We're fucking human beings. We're not here to just adult and work and shit and sleep and get into arguments all the time. We're here to have fun. Mm -hmm. We're here to to define what it really means to be human. And there's no textbook. Amen. There's the innate knowing of what is good and what is bad. Again, there's these golden rules that we all know. Children know. We don't have to put them through school to understand what's right and what's wrong. They know. Yes, there's a there's a subjectiveness around that, but um, I think we all need more play, and the play invites more love, connection, compassion, and all the umbrella underneath that playtime, because we feel free then to be ourselves. We feel free to be the expression of ourselves, who we really are, mm. 
And if we invite play, we invite safety. If we invite safety, we invite courage. If we invite courage, we can lean into just life and fucking take it by the balls. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Amen. <laughs> What's one, this is the last question, bro. What's Easy. one tip that you would give your old self just starting this journey? Slow down. Mm. Slow down and breathe. Oh, breathe, you dumb motherfucker. I'm just joking. I love him unconditionally. Um, but I'd give him a slap and a shake because not much could have caught my attention. But I feel like the breath would have because I was also operating in that very high beta. Everyone mostly, I want to say everyone, most people are operating that high. So for people that, that don't know, there's arguably about five brainwave states. And the higher we go, the higher that frequency of operation. So everything's beta, like dopamine, distractions, work, this, that. It's all beta, 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 beta. And so we buy in to this like sped up universe of humanity where everyone's rushing around and get the kids to this, you got to do this and get the coffee and get this and that. And we just miss life. Life has a resonance. It's just, it's always there. It's, it's always ever present. And our goal is not to get somewhere. It's to understand what's in the way of feeling that which already is here, which is this moment right now, right? And then we'll hang up this call and we'll go do other thing, right? And so if, you know, coming back, if I had advice, it's to breathe and slow down, engage the break, vagus tone, you know, uh, uh, get the vagus nerve toned and, and really engage the break to slow down to a more harmonious. It's not about all parasympathetic and no sympathetic. It's, it's the branch of with the harmony of both. And, and you're so coherent. You're so in your body. You're so present in those moments. And that's where we can respond instead of react. That's where we're now lower self, our little boy, our little brat or our traumatized self wants to project and the anger and this and that, and beta and that, yeah, right? We can then, okay, this is how I feel. Let me digest that. And let me then speak my truth and how I feel. And we can start having more responsive conversations, more responsive uh, experiences, more pleasure, um, more forgiveness, more healing, more of the, just more of the good stuff. And I think humanity really needs that right now. And I know this is, you know, what I would say to myself, but really this is what I would say to myself and humanity mm. is to start with the breath, find coherence. That's one hertz, brain and heart working in unison and uh, let, let yourself lead from there. I don't need to give you a one, two, three manual book. Lead yourself from that place. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would say to my younger self is lead from coherence, lead from the heart and mind, not one or the other. Let them work, let them be team buddies, you know, fist bump each other and, you know? <laughs> yeah, cool, brother. I really appreciate your time, man. That was an incredible interview. You got a lot of wisdom and knowledge in there and from your journey. And it's I can guarantee it's been helpful for those listening. So thank you very much. Yeah, and, and thank you for having me on because I really do hope this gets out to your audience. And, and if it helps bar just one person, that's another drop in the ocean, right? We're all here to just leave the planet better off than when we came down. Oh, I know the truth. Yeah, thank you very <laughs> much, so brother. much brother. And everyone and everyone listening to this right now again you can reach out to mitch in the show notes and if you have any questions hit us up much love take care one step at a time Peace. Woke man, bring love and just
be I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be